0: Hey, everybody. This is Brian. I am so happy that you're listening to our podcast. And before we get to today's episode, I just need to take a moment to say I have no clue as the producer and sound engineer of this podcast. I have no clue what's going on. Uh, We recorded an episode um, and and there's just something not right. There's a slight echo. And so I just want to apologize in advance. There's also something that happened later in this uh, in the podcast where all of a sudden it gets better. And so I just want to prepare you as a listener. I apologize that the sound quality is down. Um, we're recording in different places, which I think is somehow creating an echo for how the microphones are set up. And I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I promise that it will be fixed soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And thank you for your patience. And if you're like a sound engineer and you want to help me out, please email me at Maxim and at gmail.com because <laughs> I would love your help. Anyways, thanks for listening to the episode. Sorry again for the slight echo. Uh, I promise you we'll get it fixed soon. All right. Bye.
1: Hiya. This is Marnie with Maxim and Marnie. Welcome back, friends. What a world we're living in. What a journey we've all had since the last time we did one of these interviews. Maxim is a synonym for truth. Um, and this is Pastor Brian and Marnie's me. Hi. Uh, journey of trying to share people's stories, share their truths of people that we get to go to church with.
0: Our uh, last time our well, when was our last interview, Marnie?
1: Gosh, don't don't pop I think it quiz was you ready? Can no, we blame no, no. everything on no, corona remember? Brain?
0: You don't remember. We did we did one update with Tyler.
1: Oh yes, yes, zoom. Yeah. I thought you were asking in time. Do person. you want to explain
0: to lis- the listeners why maybe we haven't done one since then? You you did on Talk About God, which isn't released yet. So
1: Yes. So Pastor Brian for sure had proposed that maybe we try it. I just think sometimes Being in a space with someone physically makes a difference in sharing your story. Zoom is great for great things, so I don't know. I just kept pausing and wanting to be in a space, in a shared space with someone.
0: I agree with you. I'm okay with that call, because what we learned on Talk About God is it's not as personable as you want it to be, and so you kind of just need to be in the same area. So we're safely, we're outside, we're socially distant apart from one another, I, I will hand it back to you then. But welcome back yes. to listening to our Welcome podcast. back.
1: Thanks for listening. I know I had a really fun friend, Claire Peterson, mentioned that she was going on lots of walks. And so on her walk, she was enjoying listening oh. to all of the friends. So I love, um, I love that our cool, going to be a senior in high school, people and friends are listening to the stories of people that are their age and people who are not their age. So I kind of love that. So today... We're super fortunate, and we have Chris Renstra.
0: Nope. nope. Close.
1: Renstra?
0: Close.
1: <laughs> she totally coached
2: <laughs> me, and I failed. Okay, Chris, you go. Renstra Jurna.
1: Rindstra- 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 I swear I did it like three <laughs> times
2: before this.
1: And what is that ethnicity of your last name? That's Swedish. And that's married Swedish. Do you know your. Nope. That's not married Swedish. This is your name. Mm -hmm. You Okay, so tell me, where are you from, and how do you know you're Swedish?
2: Uh, How do I know I'm Swedish? Well, um, my family has been Swedish on both sides for generations. So you're like
1: like 100%. No, no, there's been some inbreeding.
2: (laughs) But um, I can tell you the family history. Please. So in like the 1200s, a family by the name of MoMA immigrated from Germany to Sweden and they lived in Sweden and somewhere around that time there was one of the men in the family there was a almost war and the guy jumped on a reindeer and went around kind of like Paul Revere to like warn all the people that I don't know probably the Norwegians were coming (laughs) I don't know who it was and um Because of that, the Swedes won the war, whatever skirmish it was. And so the king gave this MoMA guy this name, Rinstjerna, which means reindeer under the stars. And so anybody who has this name is related to me, even though there's not very many of us. Um, I've met family in Sweden. Reindeer
1: under the stars. Uh I love that. Stierna
2: is star and so he he knighted he knighted the guy and gave him this name and my sister spent a year in Stockholm doing graduate work and she got to sit in on some of the Nobel Prize awards because it's considered nobility. We're um, in the Swedish Book of Nobles and
1: excuse I mean, me, That's should we have we've ever had yeah. here. like that this doesn't is, really mean anything. This is really so you're rich and <laughs> you have a title in Sweden, no. is what I'm gathering from all of this.
2: No, but we respect are, are, respect. Our coat of arms is in the House of Nobility in Stockholm, and the street that leads up to the palace in Stockholm is Rensgärdenagata. Whoa. Which is Rinsjärna Street. This I mean, is
1: very basically. cool. Now, Sweden has a very specific culture where I feel like I'm going to throw out things that aren't going to be fact-checked, but, like, 98% uh, share the same uh, denomination and, and, and faith. Like, I feel like, aren't they mainly Lutheran, Christian? Um, the Swedish government um,
2: stopped um, Lutherans, Lutheranism from being the... Um, what do they call it? The religion national, of the state. Yes. The national yeah, that has that ha they that hasn't been. Actually they are very a religious over there. Have a very high um unmarried rate, you know, so they don't marry really as much. And their population was really, really going down and so they put all these social Social kind of supports in for families for people who so that they could have more children because otherwise they figured um, we learned all this when we were there it was kind of interesting when did you but but Lutheran they are not that's not like the national the state religion. so that's
1: old data because it used to be correct mm-hmm. yes yeah but so when were you there
2: we were there the year my youngest daughter graduated from college. So,
1: like, maybe 2009? Okay, yeah, so that was really old data. Do you know (coughs) Olivia (coughs) Hayes' grandma? Olivia Hayes? Gretchen. Gretchen's mom. Joe Lundin?
0: Oh, Joe. Oh, yeah, Yeah, I played pickleball with Joe. Do
1: you know that she went to Sweden and bought a... Volvo? Volvo, oh, yeah. And really like funny. the trip was paid for. She got all these great perks. She got tours. She got hotel stay. It was like this amazing thing. You had to want the car, but I just had never heard that before. And I thought that was fascinating and a cool way to go to Sweden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd obviously have to be in the market for a car. Um, but, yeah, fun tidbit. <laughs> Facts. Um, that I didn't she know. still drives that car yes it's from Sweden and she got her airfare her hotel she got tour it was everything but you just had to buy the car there and then they shipped it back
0: maybe we'll it's buy our next car it's kind of an amazing thing that's why, that's why thing. the
1: tax rate is so high over there too yeah. it's like really bad
0: but like do you have to pay to ship the car
1: no I'm telling you, she just paid for the car. I learned this, I think, at Olivia's graduation party, and I just was so Wait. fascinated by that.
0: We'll have Joe on so I can ask a million questions. So yeah, I'll a million questions. Well, Do they take care of, like, the
1: Next time I play pickleball. She'll
0: be, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I you feel guys feel like play pickleball. I feel like she said she paid,
1: yeah. like, a good deal for the car, but you were obviously buying a new car. So, But if you were in the market for that, then that was And works. one went on
0: vacation, OK. And
1: <laughs> one on vacation. OK, sorry. So you so didn't go, when, you didn't
0: buy a car when you were there. No.
1: <laughs> no. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, wow. I'll, okay, so
2: I think of myself as a California girl. Okay. Because I was born in um, Northern California, the Sacramento area. My dad was a Lutheran pastor. Oh, and I didn't know that you a a PK. mission congregation there, and that's where I was born. And then... We moved to the San Fernando Valley in Southern California, and so I tell people I was a Valley girl before there were Valley girls.
1: Like totally,
2: like for sure, for sure. Um, So then he had a congregation there, and then we moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and then we moved back to California, and then um, he took when I was in college, he took a a call in Utah. Um, So I didn't actually live there you know with the family ever but um, so, so where did you Cal- go to
1: college oh, yeah. I
2: went to Cal Lutheran
0: ah.
1: so wait so let's back up for just a second here so in your formative years how when you said North Cal- California Southern California Arizona how long were you in these locations
2: um, well I think we moved to the San Fernando Valley when I was two and then we moved to Phoenix when I was going into second grade or first grade maybe and then we moved to back to California to Altadena when I was going into the sixth grade so and then you stayed there through through middle school high school college
1: so through junior high and high school you were in the same location so able to kind of build relationships was that an easy time for you to create friendships? Like, do you have lifelong from there or no? I have one girlfriend. You yeah, do. that we still
2: keep in touch with from, from, from our church. Yeah. And we went to the same school and we still stay in touch.
1: So yeah. one might question, how are you in Illinois now? Tell, tell us how you ended up here. Because you so, sound very West Coast to me with a very different yes, climate. Yes, so then um, once I got married, we wait, wait, wait. Back. back up. So you were at Cal Lutheran. When did you fall in love? Uh, that was while I was in school. So you met at, in, at Cal? At Cal Lutheran, yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, then we moved to Northern California. Then we moved to Arlington Heights. Then
1: and how did you go to Arlington Heights from Northern California? A job? His, his job. A job. Yeah, we had two, two kids my two girls
2: at that point. Then we moved to Atlanta. Then we moved to Naperville the first time. Then we moved to St. Louis. Then we moved back here in 2005.
0: I didn't know you were in Naperville before St. Louis. I Okay. And when
2: we lived in Arlington Heights. We went to our saviors in Arlington Heights. Uh Fred Aigner was the pastor there.
0: and Fred Aigner
2: had taken over my dad's congregation in Altadena when my dad went to Utah. I mean, it is such a small Lutheran world. you just like,
1: whatever. So you have two daughters? Two daughters, yes. And where are they now?
2: Um, One lives in Lyle, is married, has two kids, and the other lives in um, the Twin Cities area, has one daughter.
1: Um, and so where do you feel like your is your home or do you feel like you'll stay here? Do you dream of going somewhere else? That's a
2: really hard question because I've been a Midwesterner, I feel like, for a lot of years, since 1988 maybe, you know, with, yeah. a, with a small stint in the South and then St. Louis as well, you know, so... You know, I have my oldest daughter's here. That's good. My youngest one, I mean, she's, she's also a Lutheran pastor. And so she may stay in the Twin Cities forever. I mean, who knows? But at least I'm close. Yeah, you, you can know, drive up to there. Them, and I can go to Niles and see. So
1: you were a PK. You were a pastor's kid. Your father was a pastor. And now your daughter is a pastor. That's pretty and interesting. I mean, that's unique to you, kind of, I would say. Kind of say.
2: genetic, right?
1: <laughs> what, what faith practices did you really make? Is integral the right world or just a big part of your family life growing up for them? Um,
2: regular church, um, vacation Bible school. That's my favorite, like one of my favorite things to do, you know, all year. Um,
1: praying. What you know, would you meals, do? Would nighttime. you do repetitive prayers, or would you just pray in a conversation with them, or how did you do that? Wrote kind of prayers, now I lay me,
2: come Lord Jesus, you know, some of those kinds of things, so.
1: And they yeah. just, both of them always enjoyed coming, or there were times where they didn't want to come? They did,
2: yeah. they did. They did, although I'll tell you, my older daughter doesn't go at all yeah.
1: anymore. I mean, when
2: she comes to visit me, she'll, you know, and if we're doing Christmas or Easter, in fact, a couple of years ago, Um, I went out there to spend Christmas with her and she said "Um, I really want to get to Christmas Eve service and we went to Pastor Joe's 11 o'clock service she and I you know we just she said I just want to go I was like okay I'll go with you you know so you plant the seeds and you know you you, you pray kind of you know your sermon yesterday you, you sow the seeds and let kids make the decisions that they're going to make and hope hope you planted them in a way that make them feel good about that i had my 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 oldest daughter's my grandson last year here at bbs and i just picked up my paperwork this year so that he and i'll get together and do he's five and so we'll do you know the little challenge kit or whatever the take-home kit yeah the take-home thing yeah so
1: and what was your um, biggest challenge raising two children daughters and what was the thing that you love the most or the most fond of being a mom to them you know um, I'm not sure you're asking the right question oh okay then change it
2: you should ask me about my upbringing oh Oh. do it please because when you're a pastor's kid yes um, you know there's that stereotype (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, tell me About, more. About
2: um, you're either like straight and narrow, or you're like crazy wild, and that was more me.
0: You rebelled.
2: Oh yeah, big time. And so, tell me more, did
1: you smoke in Chris. the sanctuary?
2: <laughs> uh, no, not that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did um. So I was the kid who would sneak the alcohol into the lock-ins.
0: Oh. Oh man, Chris!
1: Really? And just what you had no fear about it, or what? So what what are you gonna do? do, Kick me out? It was
2: it was more a rebellion thing, and and back in the day, and hopefully it's I don't think it's like this anymore. But you grew up in a fishbowl. It was a fishbowl, and everyone.
1: And by that you mean everybody was looking at you because you were the pastor's kid, and so what are you doing in judgment and not a lot of grace and that that's what you mean by that yes and
2: and 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 who knows how much of that i put on myself and how much of that came from you know the outside environment my home environment i mean you know my parents would always say that was not what we you know what what we wanted for you you know but that was how it was for me so so your your question about my girls is I think these things skip a generation.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> because my girls were awesome and they didn't drink. I mean, I am 99.9% sure they didn't drink while they were in high school. They just.
1: So, when was drink. your first drink? How old were you?
2: Uh, sixth or seventh grade. Oh, my at Lutheran gosh! Bible Camp. Lutheran Bible Camp.
1: Sure, as most wow. people wow. they have their first Rager at a Lutheran college. Bible Camp. <laughs> That is shocking. And so, but there is a, there's something about a person who's even willing to do that. Not just rebellion, but a real, um, I feel like, have you gone bungee jumping? Have you gone, like, I just feel like there's a real no fear thing.
2: (laughs) No, no, it's not that. It's more just a rebellion. Okay, so yeah, no, I'm wrong.
1: No, just more of a. Sticking it to the man.
2: Kind of. Yeah, probably kind of. And yet I, you know, was part of our youth group, and the we had a choir that toured around, kind of like our choir here does, and I was part of that, and taught Sunday school when I was in high school. I mean, I did all those things. There was just this...
1: So you definitely were wrestling within yes. yourself. So there, yes. there was the part of you that liked it, and then the part of you that said... Ugh, I don't want to yes. be yeah, okay.
2: Okay. And I think and I think part of it is because I can remember distinctly when I was in con- confirmation, people saying to me, "Well, of course she knows the answer. She's the pastor's kid." Uh-huh. And so, how much of that is a
1: pushback to? No, I am not that person. I'm this person. Yeah. Don't define me before I can define myself. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. I think that's a really good way of 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 putting it.
1: So, when did you go? I'm going to go to Cal Lutheran then, because that clearly wasn't an act of rebellion. Did you feel you had the choice in choosing that college? Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, okay. But I had family history with Cal Lutheran because my grandfather was the contractor. So
1: So, he,
2: like, they have a pool there and then they have a kiddie pool and they used to tell stories about how my grandpa put me in the hole where the kiddie pool is to see how deep it should be you know so you know so I mean there was a lot of history there.
1: And a beautiful college and a great college so yeah yeah, yeah. so it was all yeah, yeah positive. So when do you think that you came to a place where you owned your faith more specifically to you as opposed to what everyone thought you were supposed to be doing? Did you have a moment of an aha or a... Um,
2: I know when we lived in Atlanta, when my girls were really young, really young, Um, that was the first time I ever went to a Bible study. And that kind of opened my eyes to, oh, there is a lot to learn out there and a lot to know. Because I think I probably just kind of didn't go there because everybody thinks i already know so you know know how that is with kids you know if if you you tell tell kids kids you're smart well then they just don't talk if they don't know the answer because everybody thinks you already know the answer anyway you know so i think it was kind of the same thing and then i did um a bible study while we were down there with the pastor and you know some people i think monday morning or you know whatever it was and um that kind of tweaked my interest in the Bible and um, a lot of different things I've taken classes now at the seminary here I took classes through crossings down in St. Louis which is a Lutheran pseudo seminary after the Seminex thing I mean
1: what is something you know, that you didn't learning myself
2: until then you know? till
1: yeah as an adult what is something you've learned in doing these classes and studying it so independently and in community, that was super defining for you.
2: I don't, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I think. Uh,
1: I, yeah, that. Like Jack Jack Hammond. The other day, we were talking to him, and he was saying that he reads a chapter at a time, but then Googles and uses Wikipedia to help him figure out what that chapter might mean. Some people, I feel like, will stand... Like a chapter in the Bible. Yes. Or somebody will use a devotional, and that helps guide them. But then, you know, Jack's point was, well, then you're kind of getting a skewed opinion because the person who wrote the devotional is kind of directing how you interpret it. But you sound like you've kind of done some expansive classes and ways... my
2: interest is... Is more um, in the history of it, you know. So biblical history and um, archaeology, and um, how how the class that I took last fall at LSTC was on the Old Testament, and because I went to Israel and Palestine in January before the craziness all started, you know, with the group. Um, with Bright Stars of Bethlehem. And I took that class because I wanted to know more about like the land, the people in the area, that kind of thing, because it's a very arid place. And that influenced everything that happened over there. So interestingly, the parable of the sower, we, when we were in Palestine, I said to whoever I was talking with at the time, you know, I will never hear this parable again in the same way because it is so rocky here tell
1: tell us the parable for those listening so so explain
2: well it's the parable of the sower who goes out and throws seed and some of the seed falls on the rocks and so nothing really happens that and some of it falls in the weeds and so it tries to grow but kind of gets choked out because there's all this other stuff there and some of it falls on good soil think there's four places Uh, a
0: bird comes and picks up the seed a a bird and and then there's good soil yeah
2: but when you're in when you're over there it's just rocky everywhere so for Jesus to be telling that story the people would get that you know that a sower went out and threw the seed and some of it fell on the rocks and they would be saying yeah I mean how many rocks have I picked out of my field so I could you know plant my seed or whatever and the weeding and all that kind of stuff. so that's more my the, um I don't, I don't know what you call that yeah, making
1: like, it more rich or more tangible to understand what the story meant because you're getting the history and you're getting the the actual environment
2: yeah yeah and one of the things that was so fascinating in that class last fall was that so much of what was written for the hebrew bible came from other um religious kind of beliefs at the time and customs and and holidays and things that they did you know so it's not like this is like oh they just made this up no it it kind of came from cultures and that kind of thing that were already out there you know that were already happening back in i don't know 3000 BCE and okay. 10000 BCE and that kind of thing you know flood stories you know there, there are flood stories. So the fact that the writers of the Torah put a flood story, you know, what did that represent? And what did that, you know, the creation piece of the flood story, you know, it's actually a second creation story because it started all over. You know, we have the first in the beginning, God created, you know, the heavens and the earth, but then we have this creation. That's what I like. I, You know, how it all mixes together and it, it just informs my faith in a different in a different way
0: one of my and one of my like favorite that. things about like you learn why they added certain things to even our flood story compared to some of the other ones is um the the addition of the rainbow the
2: rainbow, the rainbow. Yeah. yes yeah yes, yeah. so
0: the- so the bow like a bow and arrow um you know a lot of gods in other um religions were gods of violence, god of thunder, destruction right you know and he, and, th- they and so would shoot the- so that that's where that essentially is, but the rainbow is a promise uh, uh and so that's how the uh, the god of um, israel is different than these other gods uh, god can learn god can promise not to d- destruct again and
2: god is not going to be that fiery right mean Vengeful, violent thing with the bow and arrow, and so they're
0: they're doing but that to appeal rainbow. to people who yeah. know and the story. and I just love,
1: I just right. eat that stuff up anyway. Yes. So, anyway, so. I do too. I like that. It just changes how we hear it,
2: how how we think of it. Yeah, and 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 I think it enriches the meaning. Totally. You know, it makes it like oh, this is even better because truthfully, yeah. we don't know what happened back then. Right. I mean, we don't. There's no library where we can go and get the book on you know who who was there and wrote this down you know I mean so so really it's more helps us how we
1: see it have you ever listened to the podcast the bible for normal people no you should you should you should look that one up I think you would love it uh they talk a lot about uh their richness of the history and give a lot of context and have experts on it. it's uh, I love it uh, I think you would eat it up so you could look it up. Do you
0: listen to podcasts? Just I don't,
1: I don't actually right. on a...
2: That's always something that's kind of been on my to-do list Right. And one year. Years ago, I asked for an iPod for Christmas back when that was, yes. and I never used it. I gave it to one of my girls. <laughs> I, you know, it was like, I had good intentions, and then that, that didn't
1: work. Once you get into it, uh, there's just a, a val- just a valley you could fall into because right. especially you as a person who clearly is a learner, um, and wants to do that, uh, I bet you would love it. So, so dip your toe in the water because I think you would find it warm and enjoyable.
0: It's okay. crazy, I agree with you, how this there's just a wormhole where you you just get you're like, I need to listen to this. And some podcasts are literally daily, three hours long every day, they put out podcasts. Um, and so I can't ever keep up with that kind of stuff, but like, I like our. The monthly, weekly ones, you know, where if you can give it 45 minutes, it's so in interesting. the
1: car, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's. Well, just... I'd have to be able to get it in my car, right? Yes. How did I do that? Well, we'll have a lesson out. after. Right. Okay. Yeah. That would be good. Um, and so your husband is, and you both live here. No, I am now divorced. And how long were you married? 39 years. And is this a wound that is still open? Or are you on the healing side of this
2: i think i'm on the healing side of it i think i i I think i'm on the healing side of it i think that um this this is not where i thought i would be right right you know um but i think i'm on the healing side
1: yeah so you have (laughs) dived headfirst into relationships and friendships here to help kind of give you that social I'm putting words in your mouth but I just feel like you're so involved here and we had lived here once before we actually were charter members at Alleluia we Uh, went
2: to our saviors for a while and then um visited down there because they were meeting at springbrook elementary which is where my girls were in school and so when pastor mike came around with a loaf of bread we were like oh we should go check this place out and and my thing was because when i grew up in the church the kids who were in my church were also mostly in my school and so i kind of wanted that for the girls, you know and how you. You you know you have these expectations that you're okay well this is how I want this to be because then they'll be more likely to stay in the church if their friends from school are also here because that was
1: sure what you experienced yeah
2: right so So, and that was and so that's why we ended up joining there and um, and then we moved to St Louis and could not find a church in the area where the girls were going to be in middle school and high school and so we ended up at John Garrike's church. Um, and they, both my children have told me that was the best thing because there were kids from all over mom. And so like Ashley would go to Brent Gehrke's like concerts at his high school and they'd go see somebody's play at a different high school. So my expectation for wanting to have, you know, their friends and their church, it's all going to be the same. It turned out that that totally flipped on its head and was better and, and that they could could speak that and say, no, it's better this way. We know so many kids from so many different places, and we come together at church, and, you know, we can be together there even though we go out to our, our own schools and what That's funny
1: because that is for sure ignition here.
0: That's exactly what I would say, too.
1: Yeah, we have kids from all different high schools, and I think it gives them a place where it is a different community than their school. So I but, think it's a gift. But when talk about my story right
2: you know that was part of my story right. that's what kept me in the church I mean because I was that kid who was like yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with this but that's what kept me there so that's in my head that's what I thought oh that's what you have to do you know that's what you need to keep your kids in the church which turned out to not be right at all
1: yeah no formula so for go. life <laughs> no nope. no no right path yeah no. that leads you um, and so where do you, where is your favorite place to serve at our church? Cause I feel like you do a lot of things.
2: Um, I think music, which is so sad right now because we're not singing. I think music is a big, but I'm also, I really like teaching. And so I've done a lot of work with adult ed. I mean, it used to be you know, I was in charge of vacation Bible school, and I was the Sunday school superintendent, and I was the, you know, in different places wherever we lived. Now, I I feel like the older I get, the older I want my students to be. Sure, right, right, right. <laughs> Last summer, when they asked me to be the preschool craft person at VBS, I was like, are you serious? I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. This is not my gift, but it was great. It was actually, it was great. So, so I really like... Um, Teaching in in Dialogues dialogues and Faith, you know, our adult um, faith formation. Give some examples
1: of that. Like, how many people typically come to that, and what are the conversations like? Are they heated? Are they more speaking and then discussion, or how does that feel?
2: Um, It it is a huge range of things that we talk about. And um, some, some of it is we'll have speakers come in. We've had speakers from LSDC come in and do things. We've had speakers from, um, you know, doing kind of a comparative religions thing where we had uh, a Hindu couple come in and talk to us and a Muslim, an Imam come in and talk with us and, you know, a guy from the synagogue here in Naperville, you know, I mean, we've done all kinds of things. We've been Zooming now. Yesterday we probably had on our Zoom and normally we don't meet during the summer, but because things are different and so we've kind of decided we would continue through the summer and so we've been reading Richard Rohr's The Universal Christ book Um, he's a Roman Catholic monk and mystic kind of and you know so so we're looking all different kinds of things I taught a couple week class several years ago on the history of Lutherans in America you know I mean we have run the gamut of all kinds of And things. how
1: many people typically come? Oh,
2: like yesterday, yesterday on the Zoom, I think we
1: had what is um, close to 20. So, yeah, so that's a nice close group. To 20? Yeah. And a so, lot of women, a lot of men, both?
2: I'd say both. Okay. Oh, both, yeah.
0: Can I share with you, like, the fact that these professors from the seminary come um, just blows me away because we're talking about like my some of my favorite human beings who taught me not just to know the Bible but to love it. And um, one of my favorite memories before actually all of this happened, I think Ralph Klein came in either mm-hmm. January or February. And I He's always come a couple times, yeah, but I always sell it when he comes to say this was my favorite professor, I love this man. And so um, he came and it was like a snowy day and we went to colonial after church and he's there with his family and i've known his wife for years you know have been to their house and so you know i she he gets to this professor that I love gets to see my son and daughter, and so I bought I bought their their breakfast without them knowing it, and he's like you didn't have to do that, and I'm like no 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 you don't have to like come out here and speak to my church members and but like do do does our church even get how lucky they are because I would kill to be back in seminary sitting in this man's class that's how lucky we are to have him because he's. They're, they're amazing, the professors they pull in here. So I, I just think it's so cool because the typical church just has your pastor talking to you, you know? And so it's just really awesome approach. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's, it's, been, it's been really well received. And when we first started doing it, like, oh my gosh, like years and years ago, probably 2005, 2006 was when we kind of really got formulated we decided that we would open each session saying we want this to be a safe space so that if people, if we're talking about things and somebody has a different opinion, it's, we need to make sure that it's comfortable for people to share and, and feel like they can do that. So your, your question about are people arguing and fighting? No, no, there isn't any of that. And, and I would say probably because everybody who attends is fairly like-minded, you know. Um, but there isn't, it's, it's never a heated anything.
1: Did you ever go to Jeannie Grevelis's Tuesday morning Bible studies? Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember having grown up doing Bible studies my whole life and experiencing hers. And I thought it was such a unique way that she taught because she would lecture and teach about the Bible. And I remember the first time going. It's like, oh, the discussion's gonna come. Oh gosh, how are we gonna do this? Because I don't love it when people debate the Bible because I find it, I don't know, it, 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 fruitless sometimes. And the way that she would position it, she would ask such a personal question that would engage you in what you were talking about, but it wasn't um, a discussion on the scripture that you just read. So yeah. there was a teaching and then there was a time of personal connection and discussion that was loosely related and I just found that to be a really positive and, and, way.
2: And I think the um, the people who come to Dialogues in Faith they like to have the dialogue you know and we've done some things with the pastors a couple times where we had them kind of as a panel and dialoguing and dialoguing about I think one time it was about the parable of the Good Samaritan you know and what does this mean and them all three of our our pastors pastors talking about, like, well, I kind of think it's this. And they were kind of like, well, but it also could be, you know, like this and this and this. And that's, we, I think in Dialogues and Faith, just whatever you want to say, say it, because somebody will be able to say something else about something related or that or whatever it is. And I think that's, it's a great environment for just kind of growing your faith, but also learning how to express it, because I think that can be really hard for people to, to know how to express their faith.
1: Yeah, lean into the questions and push yes, into that into and not be and afraid of it. I'm a big leaner. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, right. And so then they're seeing that modeled by you. So what a gift that you are in our community. That's so great. Well, there and there's a lot of people who are, you know, who are on the team that
2: we put things together and we all do. You can name things. drop. Jan, Jan Dusick, she always does, you know, she'll do something on um, portraits of Mary, you know, and we look at artwork or the, the great cathedrals, you know, and the architecture and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so it's, it's really, one time, several years ago, we did a thing on Christmas carols in December, you know, and where do they come from and, you know, who wrote this and what was the background context like, you know, and, you know, I mean... Everybody knows Silent Night was because the organ went out. But there's other stories about some of them, too. So, um, yeah, you know, very it's just cool. a, ver- a variety of things. Right, right before we started this book study, Pastor Emily and I led a three-week class on the mystics. Because I said at one of our planning meetings, I said, you know, I'm kind of feeling like a hermit these days. Maybe we need to look into the mystics and the hermits who kind of all were by themselves, and how did they find God by themselves, and how did they, considering now we're all sitting in our houses and trying to figure out, you know, where is God in all of this? So, you know, I mean, sometimes it just comes from, it's kind of organic, and it just comes from what what people are interested in, that sort of thing. In fact, yesterday, because we only had one more week on Richard Rohr, we were talking about where we want to go next. And... Um, looking at some things um, that have been written with the current climate with Black Lives Matter and you know, there's a book out there, um, how to be an anti-racist. Oh, he's fabulous. Or reading Dear Church, you know, or, you know, I mean, so we kind of...
1: Topical as well. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it can be very historical, which I like that a lot, but it can also be very pertinent. The history that we're writing. To, yeah, to what's happening today.
0: Can I just yeah. make an appeal for Lenny Duncan's Dear Church? Uh, even though there's cussing in it, um, I left that book saying, because I think it's in his title, it's, it's a love letter to the, the church, the, yeah. the widest denomination. <laughs> it really is a love letter. Like you, you walk away, even if uncomfortable at moments, say, I, I truly felt like this man loves the church. And, and it's just truly trying to address it in the right way. And I was really proud of, of uh, Lenny, who I'm connected to through very close friends. I'm like, dang I'm jealous like that's such a cool approach because it really like if you walk away saying he doesn't love the church then you're just upset about something that maybe you're not addressing it it because he really does because I've read other uh, books where the church is called out and you're like man you got beef there's no grace the he he really handles law and gospel really well I feel and so that's that's I think it's a good book that would challenge people and and address some things um
2: and and I think that probably those people who are currently involved
1: with dialogues of faith are probably all mostly read. It.
0: <laughs> right, right, <laughs> totally Might not be totally that one. Yeah, I'm You're I'm right. more but saying it for the for listener for, here looking for something. Looking that for that
1: something be, yeah. Yes. yes. And yes. you also I don't attend the main campus worship services often, um, but when I have, you speak sometimes there, right? Like you read scripture.
0: Assisting, I'm, minister. I'm a assisting minister. I'm an
1: assisting minister. So what does that mean? Or tell me about how that came about. <laughs> that just means the pastors don't have to do all the
0: work. <laughs> Why don't we have those it here? <laughs> it's a celebration
2: <laughs> You know, it's just, um, and I'm sure that comes from my, my, my upbringing in the church, and I feel comfortable doing that kind of thing. And so being able to you know, stand up and share what I believe, even though I'm not saying what I believe, but what we all are talking about, if it's the prayers of the Lord, um, the Apostles' Creed, or, you know, whatever it is, taking the offering, I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> Anybody, Anybody could do this, so, um, yeah.
1: But that's great that you do it. And then you're also heavily involved in pickleball, so you like a lot of dill, or what is your sweet pickle, or what is your favorite variety? of pickles? <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's not what it is. So you play, like, tennis rackets?
2: There's there's a group here from church. Yes. There's about 20, 20 of us, yeah. Um, the racket is kind of like um, a ping pong paddle. OK. And the ball is like a wiffle ball. And the tennis the court is actually smaller than a tennis court. So if you envision a tennis court, you can actually put two courts on a tennis two pickleball pickleball courts on a tennis court court. you know know, one on either side of the net so the court is much smaller
1: and super fun
2: it's super fun fun. and the people are awesome yeah Yeah. and i haven't been able to play for the last week because i wrenched my back out so i thought i would
1: be able to go this morning and then that not ready yet i know mrs feldine we had Uh on and she was a, a big fan of that oh she yeah She's really good too, and I'm a
0: fan of it. Minus like counting, the counting thing is just not enjoyable Is it like for love,
1: me. love, like tennis? No. Oh, no, it's different. Yeah, but, but you get
0: you get the yeah, hang. I'll it just out make somebody else while. count, and then yeah, you go you in. I think I said this, this with Paula's is like you go in thinking like oh, I'm gonna totally like school somebody because like they might be 15, 20 years older than you, and like it's not about like power. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. You really gotta play smart, and yeah, it's it's fun.
1: It's fun. So you do pickleball, you help assist, and you do the dialogues in faith, and you love Vacation Bible School. That's a lot. And I'm in charge of the memorial ministry. So
2: what's yeah. that? Um, you know, we have...
1: Look at where
0: we're at right are. now. We're in the memorial this, garden. This is the
2: memorial garden. That's right. So the memorial ministry team is responsible for the upkeep of this and for... Um, You know, when people want to inter ashes here, they can do that in the garden space. And so we're also responsible for the columbarium, which that's just because it falls under us. Holly does a lot of that stuff in the office. But when a person passes away, whether it's a congregation member or even friend of something, oftentimes people will give uh, a memorial gift, monetary gift, you know drop it off off at the funeral funeral service service or you know whatever it is and so then what do we do with those with that money um when it's given and sometimes it's designated for something specifically we just um voted to purchase new tables for pads here with money um, from the harlem bob memorial funds and sometimes it's not designated for anything and then we you know, we're looking for things. How can we? How can we do this? You know, how can we use this money? Is there something out there? Sometimes it just sits for a while. You know, we we only meet quarterly because
1: it's not. What's the you know, biggest things. memorial gift given? You don't have to say the name.
0: Oh, uh,
2: uh, probably about seventy-five thousand dollars. Well, no, well, no, actually, um, the the the, the, woman the woman who.
0: There's a. There's a are you? Yeah. yeah. Um, they, so there are sometimes estates that are given, and yeah. uh, there are sometimes dreams that are talked about with the congregation, and so uh, the, the goal for the memorial fund is uh, uh, not to hold on to it, but really to give that life and plant those seeds, actually, and, and uh, I'll share with you, how about this, I'll share with you one of my favorites, because uh, you'll recognize it right away is the Henry Hammond Memorial uh, gift was uh, for the font here at Celebration. So before then, we as a congregation were using, I think it was a bird bath. For baptisms, perfectly fine. That's what Wesley was baptized in. But then we were able to, uh, with the memorials team, work with uh, Kevin Artover, whose parents, you know, he grew up here and he's an artist out in Utah. He specifically learned to blow glass. His medium that he works with is wood. There's a story behind the font then, a deep connection with that family. So it's just kind of cool. So even sitting here in the the memorial garden, what we do is, you know, when people leave that memorial gift, they, they leave behind a story. And and so the church is creating a space for those stories to continue to be told. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things and awesome things that we get to do uh, to honor their gifts. So some people choose music. Some people choose um, to make sure that the Sunday school classrooms are fully like uh, taking care of like so you know like purchasing chairs is not a sexy thing but like it makes sure like the people when they're meeting in a sunday school classroom are comfortable and welcomed and it's it's beautiful that you know and so it's kind of cool to see uh so you mentioned the harlan bob tables that's because you know of pads in his connection Yeah, his connection there and seeing that the tables were beginning to deteriorate and wanted to make sure that guests when they were eating had comfortable places to sit. That's so really
1: trying to add to the specific uh, story that they started here, which is so beautiful. We
2: follow we have we have a mission and vision statement and and our goal is to use those memorial funds in ways that will know Jesus and make Jesus known. So. You know that that's a broad umbrella, right. but it, it can it can be very specific. You know, so if it's tables for pads, that's a way of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And and recently we voted to um, put in a big chunk of money to install the online streaming right. to do that because that's a great way to. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. Specifically, the make Jesus known part, because it's going to be available for anyone, you know, not just here within the congregation. You know, so so there's a lot of thought and deliberation and prayer that goes into it to make sure we're we're following
1: wishes, the kind of mission, yeah. right? That we right.
2: Are supposed to be following. That's
1: beautiful. What do you dream for yourself in the next five years?
2: In the next five years. Well, this year I was supposed to be traveling. (laughs) That's not happening. Same. Yeah. So more travel. I mean, I definitely want to do that. And I know, I think that, and I've said this to a few people recently, but it's still kind of new in my head. This whole pandemic and being at home, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. You know and I don't know that I really want to get married again but it would be nice to have a Swedish partnership that, if you will yes, yes there you go, you know so that so that and, you know and I have a lot of friends yes I'm not saying that but you know I think you think about things when you are going through this kind of a weird worldwide situation and you think about your life and I think everybody's been doing that and thinking about you know, is this how I want my life to be? I think a lot of people who are working from home are saying this actually isn't that bad and I get to spend more time with my kids or I get to, you know, I don't have to commute as much or I, you know, I mean, whatever it is. And so, so as a, you know, single, retired, no job, you know, like what, I, I really struggled the first good six weeks with, I know. I need to I make, need those, make copies. those copies. <laughs>
0: she, Chris and I had a fun conversation cuz the church was closed, but she wanted to make photocopies. And I for the I,
2: refugee ministry. And I, I couldn't budge cuz like there was too.
0: a rule. <laughs> then I found a way for her to get in cuz she helped us with a worship. So like but uh, like we uh, we were all nobody's used to this at all. And nobody has an answer for people who are working or people who aren't working and I think and it's, it's like
2: this is giving me a purpose. I need to make copies. I need to have a purpose. <laughs> uh-huh. how, how silly is that?
1: Cause I get Because like it. right there,
0: refugee ministry. She also works with like um, um, loaves and fishes, and like that, that's my thing. Is like I, I commend you for finding ways to uh, just really show make the world a better place. You know, by it's not just how you interact with people, but like how mm. you really live out your life daily. And I, I think it's I think it's awesome.
1: You're doing it right. We give you an A-plus. <laughs> um, no. no, when you say you retired, what did you do at your career?
2: Um, well, I started off in HR, in the finance industry, about a hundred years ago. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for a long yep. time because we moved all right. over. And so um, I was a stay-at-home mom and then I went back to graduate school and I have been a school counselor. And so I retired two years ago. Uh, mostly worked with middle school students and um, even though high school, as school as would have as been as my first choice, students, I worked in, in middle, middle school. I worked in one the civilized schools, and I worked in the middle school. school. Middle and, middle middle school. school. And, and that's what I was going to go back to school to, to get my school, school, school counseling The school where my daughters were had a specifically designated counselor for the the gifted kids. And so, the district that I was in when I said that's what I want to do they said we'll have you be the first counselor for gifted kids in our district and then we moved to Illinois <laughs> so oh well. I
0: that's- have to say something real quick over the last like 30 seconds it's possible that that was all static because no. I have no clue I could hear it in my headphones but and I could see your vocals but if nobody on the podcast could hear sorry about that
1: okay um- When you say being a counselor for gifted kids, I jump to perhaps uh, an incorrect stereotype, uh, but that uh, anxiety might be a strong one that you're dealing with there, or a false sense of who they are or where they're gonna receive that esteem in themselves? And, well, at the high school level, it's all about getting to
2: college, right? So a lot of, at the high school level, what a, a counselor who specifically works just with the high ability students, does is help them make sure that they 're ready so that they have options when they're ready to graduate and they can pick and choose wherever they want to go but a lot of social emotional issues um, a lot of anxiety a lot of um, even even just social issues you know that kind of thing social skills um, but but it's a population that I kind of gravitate to mm-hmm. so Currently, Liz um, Sealander and I are working for the Regional Office of Education out of Joliet, and we teach professional development classes for gifted teachers, for teachers, because the state of Illinois finally has put some language back into their school code for gifted kids. No money, (laughs) but some language, and so there's some requirements that teachers have to They have to have some background knowledge if they're gonna if they're gonna be working with gifted students or high ability students so um, we're doing that it's been really fun you know we do it together and have a classroom full of teachers you know that we're providing whatever kind of information it is in that particular workshop so
1: Educate educate learn learn. This is I feel like your theme of life when you said you wanted to travel in the next five years Where would be the top three places that you want to go to?
2: Well, I just got back from Israel and Palestine while in Jordan. We were in Jordan um, That was in January. I was supposed to be in France in May with uh-huh. the group from church that was going um, And then in August, Liz and I were supposed to be going to Slovakia to work at the Center for Christian Education with their teachers, doing some professional development. Oh, so we how were wonderful. going to spend some extra time in Krakow because I've not been to Poland. Um, I I kind of want to go to the Far East, but I want to do it um, like in a cruise kind of way. So who knows when that will happen? You know, when here. you
1: say Far East, do you mean like South Korea?
2: Singapore, Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam. you know you
1: cannot have any gum.
2: Okay. No chewing gum that. in Singapore.
1: Good to know. Such yeah. an interesting country that that is. Oh, I want you to go there. I know. I know. So
2: that, that would kind of be on my list. There are places I want to go back to. I'd really like to go back to Scotland. They have a, um, they have a uh, men in Men in skirts. Well, yes, there is that, but they have like a 40 mile hiking path up in there, like mountains and foothills there that you can people hike that kind of like the Appalachian trail or whatever. And, and actually next year, pastor Emily and Gail Jernberg and I are trying to put together a trip for the congregation to walk, uh, El Camino de Santiago de Compostela in Northern Spain and do the last hundred kilometers. That's why I have to get my back (laughs) better. Um, so I've been doing a lot of walking during this pandemic because training, ch- yes, trying to get
1: trying
0: for to get your pilgrimage.
1: For and I don't know what you're talking about when you said that place in Spain. So
2: Santiago de Compostela is in northern Spain, kind of close to Portugal. And it is um, this that means St. James, the city of St. James, and people have always for like like two thousand years, people have made pilgrimages to Santiago de Compostela. That's just the name of the town. And so there are all kinds of ways that you can walk um, and kind of do a pilgrimage. And And what's a
1: pilgrimage mean? A
2: pilgrimage would be something that a person goes on to maybe seek meaning for something or to find clarity for something or to have um, a different kind of relationship with something. And that could be like the people you're going with, or it could be Um, finding a a way to be closer to God to do that kind of thing. So, um, you know, we've been (laughs) we know we don't want to carry all of our stuff on our backs because mostly we're old. So we will do it through a tour agency where we will be on our own to do the walking. But they will take our luggage to the next stop. And that's where we will need to get to in the course of a day. So, and you'll do
1: 100 miles. You said
2: it's 100 kilometers you have to do. It's actually about 300 miles, the whole thing. But that's if you start in France and we will not do that. If you want to get the certificate that says I walked the Camino, you have to walk the last 100 miles. So that's that's our, but that's our over
1: like how many days?
2: Over six or seven days, so you're walking an average of about 11 miles a day. Okay,
1: so that's attainable. Just yeah, it is.
2: It is attainable, and so that's why Gail and I, during this pandemic, we've been like, you know, let's see how long this takes us, and then and then we walked really fast the first time, and we're like, we're not walking that fast. We need to like stop, and let's pretend we have to go to the bathroom, and let's pretend we're having lunch, and let's pretend oh we want to go check out this old cathedral that's here. You know, I mean that kind of thing. So. Um, but, it, but it will be very doable, um, you know, in a, in a really good way. So I'm hoping they opened the Camino up this July in Spain. And Spain has had a little bit of a resurgence of cases. But we're kind of hoping that by October of next year, there will be a vaccine. Right. Come on, Bill Gates. You know, that All kind right. of thing. So we're kind of um, going to put this word out probably this October to... to for anybody who might be interested. There's probably about five or six of us right now that are already interested and we would wanna keep it kind of a small group. They say don't have more than 15 in your group, so. um,
1: Because to stay together.
2: To stay together and the housing arrangements and all that kind of thing. So yeah, we, um, last summer I took a group of people from Our Saviors out to Holden Village in Washington State and we had, there were 19 of us, 20 of us. That was a great size. You know, to be able to make arrangements. for And the Holden
1: Village is uh, a family, adult, children, Lutheran retreat center. All of the above. Uh And you loved it.
2: It's amazing. I want to go. Yes. And so if 2021 is the Camino trip, I'll probably put together another um, Holden Village trip in 2022. Because there were people who wanted to go and couldn't go. And so it's not that hard.
1: So... We have a lot of makeup trips for 2021, so that's good that that's 2022. (laughs) Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure hearing of all the ways that you serve and this great, big, rich life I feel like you're leading, mainly due to your curiosity in life and learning. I think that's such a great quality about you.
2: That was, remember, before the pandemic started and we had that tree of life in the in the narthex areas yeah at the churches and you were supposed to like write on a on a thing a cloth on a strap or something yes i mean this was, seems like it's like 100 I years know. ago, now, right no i think that was in march maybe it's 20 <laughs> it, weeks ago it, it was like <laughs> the beginning of lent yeah it's kind of when it was and so you're supposed to put on there what gives you life and i just i was like i don't even know and so i was talking to my daughter up in minnesota one day because I had just been teaching a class at Dialogues in Faith, and I was doing the refugee ministry with the teenagers up there that evening, and I talked to her on the phone, and I said, today was a good day to be Chris Reenstern. And she was like, why? And I said, because I was doing all these things I love to do. And she said, Mom, it sounds like teaching and learning is what gives you life. And so the next time I was in the building, I was like, okay, I'm going to write this down. I don't know what happened <laughs> to that tree, but... <laughs>
0: It stayed it, up. It's on there somewhere,
1: <laughs> isn't it? I love that because I think sometimes being able to identify something about yourself so when it sometimes has to come you don't
2: from an external source yes. that somebody else has to say that and then it's like oh yeah yeah that really that, is that me makes sense.
1: that's who I am that yeah. is who I am and, and yeah. knowing who you are yeah is a great way to be in the world yeah well yay I've loved having you and I've loved chatting with you is there anything that you're like oh my gosh I have to say this.
2: No, I think I put in my little plugs for things that I, want I like to put it. plugs in for. That was that was okay. Well, you were a true and pleasure, and
1: I feel so grateful that you're a member of our community. So thanks for sharing your well, thanks story. For thanks
2: Chris. asking me to do
1: this. Back I hope you... you get a hookup with a hot dude and get a trip in 20. And listen
0: to some podcasts 21. on your on your trips too. You know.
1: Let's do it. Yes, yes.
2: And now I will I will look up yours too. So yeah, there's I some can, good there's some I good ones. thought we <laughs> yeah, we've I got some, some good
1: stories. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for for having me.
0: All right, bye-bye.